Welcome back to the Money 3.0 show, your guide to the future of all things money. Can you believe we're already winding down 2019? The current bear market aside, it's been an incredible year for crypto. And if you're like us over here at Abra, you're probably trying to figure out how all of the new IRS rulings on cryptocurrencies are going to impact your tax returns this year. Rest assured, help is on the way. In this episode, Abra's Daniel McGlynn talks to David Kimmerer, co-founder and CEO of CryptoTrader.tax, to discuss the recent crypto tax issues, new IRS tax guidance, and how to best prepare for the upcoming tax season. This podcast is powered by BlockWorks Group. For access to premier digital asset conferences and in-depth podcast content, visit them at blockworksgroup.io. Before jumping in, remember, the information presented in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed or used as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any of the financial assets discussed. Any opinions expressed herein are subject to change. Neither Abra nor any of the participants in this podcast make any representation as to the suitability or appropriateness of these financial assets for individual investors. Phew. And with that out of the way, on to the show. So David, thank you so much and uh, welcome to the Abra Money 3.0 show. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Awesome to be here. Thanks for having me on, Daniel. So, so the goal of the show is really to talk about, you know, emerging trends and technologies so we can kind of all figure out what the future of finance and money is going to look like. And I think part of that conversation really, when you start talking about investing and buying and selling and using cryptocurrencies, part of that conversation really has to be about taxes, how to manage taxes and kind of like what's going on in the, the tax side of, uh, of crypto. And so like, I'm really excited to have you on today just to kind of unpack that a little bit, especially mm-hmm. in light of the IRS issuing some new uh, crypto tax guidance. I mean, for us, it's been like, you know, one of the busiest two weeks since we started the company, you know, two and a half years ago, um, just with the IRS kind of putting another stamp on how crypto should be handled from a tax perspective. So there's a lot to go through. Um, and yeah, no, happy to be here. It'll be good to chat things through. Yeah. So, so I think like a good starting point, um, especially for um, people coming, just kind of coming to crypto and just starting with their, their crypto investments is to maybe we can start with um, how crypto is considered, uh, you know, in, in terms of um, tax, like mm-hmm. what does that look like? Yeah, good question. And it's kind of an oxymoron for a lot of people, right, who get involved in crypto, right? A lot of the attraction is you know, it's this form of money. And, you know, when we think of, you know, transacting with US dollar or, you know, whatever fiat currency, you know, we're traditionally using, you know, that type of thing isn't taxable, right? I'm not being taxed on spending my US dollars on something, right? Um, But the reality is, is like cryptocurrency is like a lot of things, right? Um, You know, it can be used as this new digital, you know, money that can be used around the world, but it's also, you know, very much being used as, you know, this speculative asset, right, that, um, you know, people are investing in looking for a return. And so, you know, as we get and unpack, you know, how this is like classified, the best way to look at it, right, is in 2014, the IRS officially, you know, announced that cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, right? They're treated as a form of property. And so other forms of property, right, would be stocks, bonds, real estate, right? And so from an investing perspective, 
you know, capital gains and capital losses rules apply to cryptocurrency just like they apply to trading stocks. And so kind of unpacking that a little bit more, I think it would just be helpful at a high level just to run through an example. And so I think throughout this podcast, we'll kind of go back and forth between stocks and crypto just because from a tax perspective, they are treated like very similarly. So I think it would just be helpful for everyone listening. So so like, let's say I sign up with Charles Schwab or E-Trade, right? Or any of these online stock brokerages, right? And I invest $100 into Apple stock, right? Because I think, hey, Apple's a good company. I like what they're doing. Um, you know, I think that investment will appreciate. So I put $100 in Apple stock. Maybe it buys me, I don't know, two shares, let's say, of Apple stock. And so, you know, over the course of, you know, two, three, four months, years, whatever it may be, let's say that investment appreciates now to $200, right? I put in 100, now it's valued at $200, those same two shares of Apple stock. And if I sell that, right, I have a $100 capital gain, right, on that investment. And from a tax perspective, right, capital gains, right, that's taxable income. And so, I would report that $100 gain from my, the sale of my Apple stock onto my tax return. And depending on what income tax bracket I fall under, right, let's say I make, you know, $80,000 or whatever it might be during the year, I would pay that depending on if it was a short term or a long term gain. So that's kind of how it works in stocks, right? It's kind of dependent on, you know, how long you held that, but the gain itself, right, is taxable, and you have to file that. And so the same applies to cryptocurrency, right? So Bitcoin, Ethereum, everything is classified as a, as a form of property, right? So if I, you know, invest $100 into Bitcoin through Coinbase, right? And two months later, I sell that for $500, right? That $400 gain is a capital gain. It needs to be reported on, you know, your tax return. And you pay a certain percentage of tax on the gain depending on your income tax bracket. So at a high level, right, that's how it works, Um and then the the other wrinkle in that is is like how long you're holding the crypto, right? So that's kind of a, a factor. Um, as as a general rule of thumb, if it's less than a year, uh, that's a short term gain, and so it's it's generally uh, taxed at like the same rate as say your your income. And then um, if it's longer than a year, it's considered a long term gain, so it's taxed at a lower rate. Is that is that accurate? Exactly. Exactly. And it, it works the exact same with stocks, right? Um, same thing, right? If you're holding less than a year, right, then you're going to be taxed at your marginal income tax bracket. If you're holding longer than a year, that rate will be reduced and it's still dependent on what income tax bracket you fall under, but it'll be significantly less than your, you know, your marginal tax bracket. Um, so yeah, you hit it on the head. That's kind of how it works. Great, and then so um, so that's generally how um, how you know crypto is taxed. But um, there's also an, an added wrinkle, I guess, uh, that makes crypto a little bit more complicated in terms of taxing, right? And that comes down to, I guess, this problem we could call it the problem of documentation, because mm-hmm. um, you know, using our examples of of crypto like stocks. Um, with stocks, there's a little bit clearer documentation usually because you're kind of going through one broker um, and, and mm-hmm. you have like these these tried and true forms that the IRS accepts. So could you just talk about the, the sort of crypto tax problem? Yeah, absolutely. So this is where like, things get a little bit more hairy in the world of cryptocurrency just because right, cryptocurrency itself 
operates very differently than traditional investments like stocks, right? Um, quick before jumping in, I do think we should quick just run through taxable events um, just because that is important for cryptocurrency. So at a high level, just a taxable event is just an event that triggers that capital gain or capital loss. So in our stock example, it was the moment I sold my my Apple stock, right? That triggers what's called a taxable event. And that's when you realize your capital gain, right? And it's that point, you know, you recognize the gain and then you report it and you owe tax on it, right? But for example, if I just bought and held my Apple stock or my Bitcoin, right? That's not taxable until I incur some type of taxable event and realize the actual gain or loss in the investment. And so I think it's helpful to unpack it because in the world of cryptocurrency, Right, these taxable events apply to different scenarios, and I think it would be helpful just to quick run through them. Um, so, cashing out like from Bitcoin to fiat, like US dollars, right? So, selling my Bitcoin, that's a taxable event, right? I've realized my gain or loss in the asset, right? If I invested $100 in Bitcoin and ended up selling for $50, well, I have realized my $50 loss, and that goes on my tax return. Um, other forms of taxable events, and this is where the controversy starts, right, is that exchanging one cryptocurrency for another, right, if I trade Bitcoin into Ethereum, that triggers a taxable event. And so, again, if I invested $100 into Bitcoin and I exchanged it for you know X amount of Ethereum, well, my gain or loss in Bitcoin is whatever it was trading for on the date time that I exchanged it for the Ethereum. Um, so again, that is a taxable event. Um, and then outside of that, like mining cryptocurrencies, right, that triggers a taxable event as a form of income. Um, and then the other big one is, right, if I use my Bitcoin to buy goods or services, that also is a taxable event. And so it realizes my gain or loss in my Bitcoin or other cryptocurrency. Might be good to run through a quick example there. So let's say, again, I bought $100 of Bitcoin on Coinbase and, you know, a few months go by and now that Bitcoin is worth $150 and I use that to, let's say, go buy a television that was, you know, $150 it costed. So that realizes the gain in my Bitcoin investment and you'd recognize that $50 gain on your taxes. So again, you can quickly see how it does kind of get a little hairy just because cryptocurrency is used for so many different things outside of pure speculation, right? Um, and then other things that like aren't taxable events, right? So just buying and holding crypto, right? If you're a hodler, it's not taxable. You only incur gain or loss once you trigger right, a taxable event. Um, and so, yeah, at a high level, that's how those types of taxable events work. Cool. You know, and one thing, one thing I thought that was really interesting that I, I had just learned is that um, if you donate your cryptocurrency, it's not a taxable event. Is that, is that true? Yeah. Yeah. And the IRS outlines that in their, their updated FAQ and guidance. And so, you know, that's a great approach for some folks who maybe have some very large gains, right, in crypto, and they don't necessarily want to realize that. And they instead, you know, want to donate it to a charitable organization, you're dead on, that's not taxable. So it's a great option for, um, you know, giving back and spreading crypto to other places in the world. Donate your Bitcoin. 
Yeah. And, and another interesting thing, I, um, just to clear up the you know taxable versus non-taxable event, is this idea that you can move your crypto from different exchanges or put it, you know, use different wallets. And as long as you're just moving that crypto, but not, not exchanging it for another cryptocurrency or another fiat, then that that's also a non-taxable event. Is that, that right? Yes. And shame on me for leaving that out because we get asked that all the time. You're exactly right. Sending crypto from one wallet to another, that does not trigger a taxable event, right? Okay. You haven't sold, you haven't exchanged it. It's just at a different place, essentially, yeah. correct? Okay. And so you're exactly right. That's not taxable, right? Me pulling my Bitcoin off my Coinbase wallet or my Binance wallet into you know, some cold storage, not a taxable event. You're still just holding the asset. Awesome. Okay. So, um, so now that we, we're kind of clear on the sort of uh, how crypto is, is taxed um, like another form of property, um, and we, we're sort of clear on these different events, tax, uh, you know, taxable events and non-taxable events, um, yep. what does this new, maybe just like let's walk through like a high level of, of the IRS guidance on, on crypto because that that's been in the news lately. People are talking about it. Um, but maybe like we could just paint a picture starting several years ago. Uh, cryptocurrency trading wasn't even really on the IRS's radar at all because it was this new technology right. and people were buying and selling on, on um, at the time, only a couple exchanges existed. Um, and then maybe you could just like walk us through sort of like a brief history of, of tax guidance, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. So, you know, the Bitcoin white paper launches, you know, 2008 and then, you know, slowly gains momentum and this whole movement comes, right? And Ethereum launches, I believe it's 2014 and, you know, all this crazy stuff starts happening. And that's really when, you know, governments, the IRS included, started taking notice. Um, and so they released their first official guidance on, you know, virtual currency, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin in 2014. And, you know, that's available online, right? You can search that and read it. Um, so that was really the first time, you know, they put their flag in the ground. And really that revenue ruling that they put out then provides the fundamentals for everything, right? And it's very um, clear that, you know, they're treating it as property, kind of like what we've hit on, taxable gain, capital gains, losses apply, Um but, you know, as the world evolves, right, and so much more, you know, happens every day like you and I see in this space, you know, hard forks, you know, things splitting off, assets being used for different things, you know, the ICO craze, um, you know, of 2017, you know, all these different things um, bring about like new nuances that maybe don't apply that well with that initial guidance that the IRS put out in 2014. So, a lot of people in the cryptocurrency tax world, which again, sounds kind of like a strange world, but there's a lot of people there, um, had a lot of questions on like specifics, like around hard forks, around what cost basis method you can use, um, right, without diving too technical, but just on, you know, very specific use cases and how it should be applied to the revenue ruling that was released in 2014. And so, you know, five years later now, we've seen the IRS release, you know, a much more in-depth FAQ piece of content that's 43 questions long. That's much more for like your average layman. You can go read this FAQ and get a better understanding of how the IRS is classifying all this stuff. And then they released another revenue ruling. 
And in this, they did specify things around how hard forks should be treated from a tax perspective, you know, what cost basis methods are appropriate when you're, you know, doing capital gains losses across, you know, numbers of transactions, um, as well as a few other things. And so, you know, now we're here in, you know, the fall of 2019 and the IRS is still saying, hey, we're going to keep watching this and continue releasing guidance. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's it's good to keep watching it. Right. My company's very, um, you know, closely aligned and keeping a very close eye, obviously, on all of this stuff. Um, but that's kind of the history and what we've seen, um, which also kind of ties back to the cryptocurrency tax problem, which is kind of like a term we've dubbed here. And it's this fundamental issue with cryptocurrency um, as you could relate it to like stocks. And, and the reason it's such a problem is that like user expectations do not match reality in this space. And so I love comparing to stock again, because it's treated very similar from a tax perspective, right? But if I if I go and invest in stocks right through again a Charles Schwab an E Trade right a Scotch Trade whatever whatever brokerage I'm doing, you know at the end of the year, everyone who uses these services, anyone who's investing in this type of stuff, is very accustomed to receiving their tax forms right at the end of the year that they can then go give to their accountant, plug into their TurboTax account, right? And these forms detail. Everything that's needed for capital gains and capital losses calculations. Okay. And so, right, that's kind of like the user expectation in the space is, oh, yeah, like the platform I use will just, you know, send me my tax forms at the end of the year and then I'll be good. And so, like the fundamental issue and what we call the cryptocurrency tax problem is that exchanges and platforms fundamentally do not have the ability to provide their users with tax reports that detail everything for capital gains and losses reporting. So it's like this massive problem in this space that no one really has a handle on, but it's because I can transfer Bitcoin from an outside wallet into Coinbase, exchange it for some Ethereum, send that Ethereum over to Binance to trade on these different assets that aren't offered, send it over to Abra, right? And so it's because of the transferable nature that the exchanges do not have the ability to give these types of forms, right? Again, comparing it to stocks, I can't, I can't go to Charles Schwab and buy a piece of Apple stock and then send it to some other place to capture some arbitrage opportunity, right? It's everything happens in Charles Schwab so they can give these tax reports. And so this fundamental tax problem, right, that exists for the exchanges and these platforms that you know, when their users come to them at the end of the year being like, hey, like, I need my tax documents. And the exchanges are like, well, we can't really do that because everything's, you know, fragmented across all these different places. Um, sorry. <laughs> so there's this problem. And so the solution naturally, right, as you can see, maybe where I'm going is to aggregate everything into one place so then you can generate your necessary forms. And so that's the problem that we solve at CryptoTrader.tax. You know, we just, we've built integrations with all of the major platforms, you know, and we can suck in all of your trade data so that you can, you know, with the click of a button, you know, generate these forms that you need. Um, and so that's kind of the problem that really underlies the space. Did you know you can export your transaction history from Abra and import it to services like CryptoTrader.tax to make your tax reporting easier? 
CryptoTrader.tax is the easiest and most reliable way to prepare your cryptocurrency taxes. Go to CryptoTrader.tax to get started and try it for free. You'll only pay when you want to view and download your full report. And best of all, listeners to today's podcast will get a 15% off discount for whatever plan you purchase by using the promo code ABRA. Previously, it was kind of like, you know, individual um, investors and traders would basically need to be tracking all of their all of their mm-hmm. trades, maybe like managing their own spreadsheets or, um, uh, you know, tracking um, profit and loss. But now um, with products like Crypto Trader Tax, you can you can actually just sort of um, automate some of that. And, and across, I think the biggest functionality is doing it across platforms too, which uh, you're not doing all your own calculations. Yeah, exactly. Like you can do this stuff by hand. 100% you can, um, but it just gets very challenging when you're across these multiple different platforms and, you know, when other things are quoted in other cryptocurrencies, right? But for tax purposes, it needs to be reported in U.S. dollars. So all of these challenges, right, the platform that we've spent years, you know, developing solve, right? We suck in your trades. You don't need to know the U.S. dollar value of what your Bitcoin to Ethereum trade was in July 15th, 2016, right? We have the database to go and pull all that in, assign cost basis and fair market value to everything. So, you know, it it just, it takes away any of that spreadsheet gymnastics, right, from the user and just, you know, presents them with an easier solution. And and so um, back to the the guidance, I think, um, you know, without diving into the, the weeds of it, you know, there was sort of this mixed reaction, I guess, from the crypto community about the IRS new guidance. Um, mm-hmm. Some some uh, objection to the way that maybe, you know, forks are, are handled and um, uh, other issues with the guidance. But I, I think like your perspective, and I think it's an interesting one, is, is that this is actually like a net positive for the crypto space, right? That the IRS is is kind of mm-hmm. like is writing and updating this this guidance, and it allows people some clarity, um, some individual investors' clarity, also uh, companies that are are building services in this space. So, so like, what's your take on that? Yeah, you hit it on the head. Like, I mean, there's obviously two ways to look at it. Like, one, yes, like, is the IRS by any means perfect? No, like. No matter what, you're going to have angry people and, you know, things aren't going to be ideal, right? When we look at, you know, hard forks, treatment from a tax perspective and all these nuanced things, right? But I think it's important to like step back and be like, hey, like at the end of the day, the, you know, tax collecting agency of the United States of America is, you know, essentially like validating this industry, right, by, you know, passing this guidance and, you know, making it a point of emphasis for them to tackle, um, you know, whether you agree with some of the the specifics of how they approach it, right? I know, you know, my team has a lot of questions for them, Um, but it does provide like validity to the space, right? And if you look at crypto and its future, right, it, if, if, if we, you know, and the crypto community want it to get really, you know, mainstream traction and mainstream use cases, right, there has to be clarity around the rules, the regulatory, you know, environment surrounding it, compliance. And so this is like a step forward in that direction, Mm -hmm. right? You know, the IRS is coming out and saying, now, they have a tough job because, you know, they have to go out and educate themselves. And I promise you, you know, 
a lot of graduates of, you know, MIT, Stanford, they're not going to work at the IRS. So, you know, they have a, this, this challenge to, you know, pass guidance that's going to be beneficial for people in the space. You could argue, obviously, whether they've done a good job of that mm-hmm. or not. But just the fact that they are providing clarity, they are trying to address it is good for crypto as a whole, mm-hmm. right? If we want to get mainstream traction and mainstream use cases and applications, common day investors aren't going to get involved if the rules aren't clear. And so like, that's kind of my opinion, right? It's, it can be taken two ways, but I think it's good, right? It's, it's going to bring more adoption. Right. And yeah, and it generally just kind of raises awareness, right? Like as you're starting to see, mm-hmm. you know, when you're looking at your tax forms and it's like, have you invested in real estate or, or stocks or cryptocurrencies? It, it kind of like just, I guess at that very high level raises awareness of like, okay, this is an investable asset. This is, this is a real asset class. Yeah. And actually a fun fact there. So after this ruling just came out last week, right, or two weeks ago now, the day after they, the IRS sent out a new draft of Form 1040, which is just your standard income tax form that you know every tax filer fills out. And on Schedule 1 of that form, the very first question now is, have you ever bought, sold, transacted, or obtained any financial interest in any virtual currency? That form will be filled out by more than 150 million taxpayers in the United States. And so by, you know, just by virtue of that, like that's mainstream adoption, right? 150 million taxpayers have to answer that question, yes or no. So again, it can leave a bad taste in your mouth that, you know, government's coming into what what started as this, you know, anti-state, right, movement, but if you're on the flip side and you just want to see use cases and the asset class further, you know, um, verified and, you know, accepted by mainstream people, this is like a huge step forward. Mass adoption paved by better IRS forms, I guess. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe not, but awareness. Right, right, right. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. And one thing I, I wanted to, to make sure we, um, we kind of address, you know, since we are sort of coming to the the tail end of 2019 and, um, you know, tax season is, is on the near horizon. Are there like specific tips or tactics or or tricks, I guess, that you, you see, you know, from, from your vantage point of, of, uh, talking through, uh, you know, people that are investing in cryptocurrencies and, and working with cryptocurrencies, like what are some kind of takeaways that we can, uh, give our listeners here? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And, you know, Every spring, we talk to literally thousands and thousands of folks investing in this, right, to help them kind of automate their tax reporting. So our customer support team sees a lot of the common mistakes, right? Um, and so we can just like highlight a few of these. I think it'd be helpful for people listening in, just like, you know, give them kind of some tips about like, hey, this will just make reporting easier, right? And so number one is just keeping good records. So that's of the exchanges you use, right? That's important to um, have records of just which exchanges I'm using, right? You'd be surprised. So many people are literally using just like, you know, dozens and dozens of different exchanges. And very quickly, they forget which ones they've used. It becomes hard for them to track down, you know, transaction history data from that exchange. And so, you know, if you're missing that, it, it makes reporting tougher. And, you know, for software like ours, if you can't import your transaction history from, some exchanges because you just don't remember all the ones that you've used. That's tough. So number one, I'd say you keep a good record of all the exchanges that you're using. 
it's fine if you're using a bunch of them, right? And that's no problem. Just keep a record of them. Um, two, you want to be keeping a record of any anytime you're receiving a form of income. So like if you're mining cryptocurrency, if you're you know in a staking pool and you're receiving staking rewards, if you received cryptocurrency as a gift from a friend, right? Keep records of that because again, from a tax reporting perspective, if you're missing that data, you're going to run into just not like compliance issues or whatnot, but just more like um, things aren't accounting all adding up, right? And so just have a record of that stuff as well. A lot of the platforms out there, right, the nice hashes and of the world that help, you know, with mining, staking, whatever it may be, they'll all oftentimes give you a transaction history file. So that's great. You know, keep that for your records. Um, what else? Those are two of the big ones. Um, and then, yeah, just records exchanges. Make sure the exchange you use does have like an option to give you a transaction history file, right? The vast majority of them have this feature, right? They allow you just to export a CSV file. Um, or if you're using CryptoTrader.tax, we can integrate right with them and you can just suck in your trades essentially. Um, but those are the big tips, right? Keep good records, kind of know, have a sense of what you're doing um, and make sure you're not going to forget what you're doing. And then, you know, keep record of any form of income, you know, mining, staking, getting something as a gift or whatever it may be. Those are the big ones. And then in, in some senses, it's important to keep these records, you know, a lot of tax situations kind of close every year. Um, but, you know, for, for long-term holders of, of cryptocurrency, it's just kind of important to, mm-hmm. to think about that, I guess. Like this is a long, you know, if it is a long-term play for you, then you kind of need long-term records, right? So um, I guess just keeping, keeping tabs on all that stuff over time. Yeah, that's, a, that's another good one. A lot of folks come to us, you know, and they are like, oh, I just want to do my 2018 taxes. And it's like, that's fine. But we actually need all of your data from, you know, 2014, 2015, 2016, right? Whenever you first started, because that's when you first established cost basis. Um, So that's a great point, right? Make sure you have records from all years, right? Kind of from the dawn of time that you got into crypto, it's just good to keep records, right? You don't have to have the most amazing spreadsheet that does all this stuff, right? Um, but just like keep a record ultimately like platforms like CryptoTrader.tax can automate the entire thing. Um, so just have records. So David, thank you uh, very much for joining us today, um, on the Abra Money 3.0 show. I, I appreciate your time and, uh, I appreciate your input and, and guidance on, uh, looking at these tax issues. I know for, for a lot of people coming to the crypto space, crypto tax issue can be a little bit stressful and sometimes overwhelming, but Hopefully, you know, by using different tools out there like uh, CryptoTrader.tax and, and other other tools out there, it, 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 we can all realize it doesn't actually need to be stressful. And it's definitely something that should not keep people from checking out cryptocurrencies, experimenting, investing, and, and starting to use them more regularly. So thanks again for your time. Um, I think this was great and I really appreciate it. Yeah. No, thanks for, thanks for having me on. It was awesome. I hope we made this a little bit more digestible for the average user. Like you said, it doesn't have to be this black cloud of scariness, right? It's it's really it can be straightforward, um, and you know that's our goal is to you know help people so they can stay in crypto um, and you know help spread adoption that way.
So thanks for having us on. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I do did want to mention that I that I didn't mention yet in the show is that you do have a great crypto tax guide on your website. And so I found that really useful. I'm, I'm sure some of our listeners will. So if you are out there looking for more tax guidance about crypto, then um, that guide is a great place to start. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, if you're looking for that, it's just the 2019 guide to cryptocurrency taxes. Uh, and yeah, we've we spent a lot of time trying to educate and just provide digestible content for our users. And you know, if anyone just has any questions at all, my team would be more than happy to you know help out. So feel free to reach reach out to us just at cryptotrader.tax and happy to help. Great. Well, thanks again, and uh, hopefully we can talk again soon. Great. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks for listening to Money 3.0. We hope you liked this episode as much as we did. If so, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to download the Aber app. 